0: Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping you take the message and mission of Jesus out of the building and into the everyday places of life. Today's show is part two of our team's discussion on discipleship. I'm joined by Abigail and LaKeith, and we talk about how Jesus doesn't just call us to come and follow, but also to go and make disciples. We get into a lot of great stuff in this conversation, including our own stories of learning the push of discipleship how to go and make disciples. We hope this conversation brings you more clarity on what discipleship is and more inspiration to pursue a life of following Jesus. Well, welcome back, guys. We're here for the second part of our conversation on the basics of discipleship. Lakeith is here with me in San Diego. Abby is joining us by
1: phone from San Antonio. How
0: are you guys doing?
2: Good. Really good. Good to be here.
1: Yeah, it is a nice day. The sun is back. The rain is gone, and uh, San Diegans are not complaining about the weather anymore. So, so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, you guys are weak.
2: Well,
0: what do you guys? Yeah, it's it's San Diego makes you soft when it comes to weather. That's Big for time. sure. It's like the the temp drops down to the 60s, and everyone is Big break, time. breaking out their parkas. <laughs> oh, geez. So. Uh, What's been going on this past week? Uh, What are you guys excited about coming into today's episode?
1: Oh, man. So the Into the Harvest team, we have made it to 8,000 followers on Instagram. Praise God. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but I mean, uh, we were scrapping in the early days. It is, right, Abby? (laughs) In the early days, we were scrapping for followers. I mean, trying to invite people, researching how to make it work. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, God uh, allowed Andrew to crack the code and And we've been growing and soon when we hit 10K, we can swipe up and get some Ah. more of our resources out there. So we're excited about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. uh, I I think growing on social media is is one of those exponential curves where it it goes really slow for a long time and then it seems to start to pick up speed. So Mm -hmm. actually at the end of this episode, we'll talk with you guys, our listeners, on how you can help us grow because... Um, you guys actually have a huge say in whether we grow, how fast we grow. For sure. And so uh, we definitely appreciate everyone out there that's part of the Into the Harvest family. But how about you, Abigail? What's What's got you excited these days?
2: Oh, my goodness. If you guys haven't figured this out already, we have added a little feature to our website where you can actually become part of our team in a more substantial way. Uh, if you go to intotheharvest.org slash donate, a whole page comes up with all the options that you can click on to start supporting into the harvest financially. And I think the thing that makes me most excited is that we are also giving away some goodies whenever you start to support oh, yeah. us. And <laughs> you guys, I whenever we first started floating this idea, like maybe one of the first things that came up, because probably it's the most common, were coffee mugs. And I was immediately just like, boy, I was coveting an Into the Harvest coffee mug, like, going out of style. I wanted it so badly, and now it is oh. in my hand. I have one, and I drink my coffee out of it every morning, and it makes me super happy.
1: Nice.
2: So, yes, we have some really cool stuff, and you should definitely go check it out. And if you are a coffee drinker like myself, there's really no other way you can possibly enjoy your coffee than through an Into the Harvest coffee mug. And there's – a also, I think the other great part is that there's several options. My husband and I, thankfully, don't like the same one. So he has the fancier model, <laughs> and I have like the classic. And that's why we're married because we like different. Copy-
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> that's the whole reason, right there. That, there you go. That's
2: it, guys. Boiled down into a nutshell. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, um, there are some great um, there's some great merchandise there that we will send folks who join the support team, and we're doing this. We've been at Into the Harvest for over a year now, and it's it's pretty much been an all volunteer effort up to this point, um, which is fine. Um, we're doing this this donation page and doing some fundraising because we'd really like to grow it beyond where it is right now, and we've simply hit the limits of human uh, capacity right now between Abigail, uh, Lakeith, and myself, and so we um, we are bringing on some help, and so uh, you guys are helping us in the way of donating not only get you some some great merchandise from Into the Harvest. the The coffee mugs ha- are scientifically proven to uh, bump up <laughs> the spirituality of your quiet time by it's at true. least 10%. Yeah, so. I, I ten percent. Yeah, I think
2: that's accurate. That's accurate. <laughs>
0: But uh, not only will you get some some great into the harvest gear, but you really will help us take this next step of growing um, this initiative, and so we appreciate all of you who are willing to do that. But um, let's dive into today's conversation. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, this is part two of a conversation we're having on the basics of discipleship. So on our last show, we talked about what we called the pull of discipleship. And so guys, why don't we just quickly recap what we covered in the last episode in case some people haven't had a chance to to listen to that or in case it's a little bit fuzzy.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the first thing that's really important and crucial that we did in that first episode is we sort of defined discipleship because that was sort of a fuzzy... A name that gets thrown around a lot in Christian culture, and not a lot of people really understand what that actually means. So we came up with a short definition of living a life of devotion to Jesus, and I really love that because I feel like everything else we said came from that sentence there. So I felt like that was a really great thing to just kind of latch a hold of as we move forward talking about discipleship. Um, and then one of the other things that we covered that I felt was really good was we talked about two faulty approaches to discipleship. And one of them was hyper-intellectualism, which I really related to. It's where you just feel like, I need to just gather information and facts and be in deep, devoted Bible study, and <laughs> you kind of become a monk on a mountain. <laughs> um and that can really lead to unhealthiness in our discipleship. And then the other is hyperemotionalism, which oh, see I can relate to both of these. So that, that's the where you know we um, we have we experience like the the high of maybe like a really rockin worship service or just a great right, fellowship right. time and then we're just kind of high seeking for a long time or we're just out looking for those highs and we start to fall apart when inevitably the emotions
1: change yeah yeah i love that we talked about discipleship always involving a life of motion um when jesus first called the disciples to come follow me i'll make you fishers of men they said that he was walking by the sea of galilee so he wasn't stagnant he was a man in motion and in a return the disciples had to to choose in that moment to follow him by dropping their nets uh, almost making him the number well, making him the number one priority in their life, and there was this pull uh, that Jesus had on their life to to come follow him, so that they can join him in the mission. Yeah, that's
0: really what we've kind of built around th- this idea of the pull of discipleship and the push of discipleship, Keith. What you were just saying really helpful because once you begin to understand that the call of discipleship, it, it does involve a response on our part. So it's not just this this intellectual exercise that we're going through or even something that's that's limited to what's happening in our hearts, but it's a call to begin to live our lives centered around Jesus. And it really kind of go, it goes back and forth between two directions. I think it 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 oscillates constantly that Jesus is calling us to come and follow but then he's also going to call us to go and make disciples. And that isn't just a uh, part one, part two. It's actually, I compare it to breathing, that you're not going to go very far in life if you don't learn how to inhale and exhale as a person. And I think discipleship is the same way. You won't go very far in following Jesus if you're not constantly drawing near to him to, to come and follow, but then also being willing to go out into the everyday places and make disciples represent him. So hmm. last episode was really focused on the inhale, the, the come and follow, the pull of discipleship. And today we're going to spend more time talking about the the exhale, to, to go and make disciples, and how we really can't have one without the other, that we need both of these things And before we really dive in, something I've been sharing with folks recently is that there's never been a better time to follow Jesus and live for him. I truly believe this, that when our generation stands with the saints from previous generations in the presence of Jesus, and we have to give an account for how we lived our lives of devotion, how we responded to this call of discipleship, I think it's going to be a potentially awkward moment because, uh, we have so much freedom right now, especially for those of us in the West, uh, mm-hmm. people you know, theoretically could hear this podcast all over the world. And I, I realize there are parts of the world where this isn't as true, but certainly in the West in a place like the United States, where most of our listeners are located, we've never had more freedom that you know, people may look at you strange, they may make fun of you, it may cost you uh, the closeness of some relationships, but to follow Jesus isn't going to cost you your life, mm-hmm. probably. It's very, very rare, and it probably won't even cost you a whole lot of um, hardship uh, other than just uh, denying yourself, which is nothing we can do about that. Jesus said that, that uh, if you want to come after him, you have to... Deny yourself, but as far as the the external cost, it's never been lower. I I really believe that that people aren't throwing us in jail. Hmm. You you have access to scriptures. We have unparalleled access to resources that help us understand the Bible, and so um, there's never been more freedom. There's never been more opportunity to live out this life of faith and devotion. Um, without really getting in trouble with society or with the government. And this simply wasn't true for, we're 2,000 years into the Christian era, and for most of that 2,000 years, this hasn't been the case, that that past generations had to pay a much higher cost to live these lives of devotion. So I want to throw that in there just at the outset to say take this serious, that this this call to, to come and follow and to go and make disciples, we are going to have to give an account for how we lived our lives. And um, on the positive side, the only thing really holding us back is ourselves, our own lack of focus, our own lack of heart. And so uh, we're hoping that this episode, this podcast, and what we're doing, we can encourage each other to really recognize what a great time this is and go for it. So well, let's, uh, let's move into just talking about the, the push of discipleship. And our, our key phrase for this is, go and make disciples. So let me just throw it to you guys. Abigail, let's start with you. Do you have a favorite verse that really captures this idea of Jesus sending us out?
2: <laughs> I do, <laughs> and I love what you just said, Andrew. And it's really kind of humorous because my favorite verse comes from Matthew 10, which if you're not familiar with Matthew 10, it starts out with Jesus sending out his disciples um, to go and share in the neighboring (laughs) villages. But then he just like really goes hardcore and he tells them what to expect. And he tells them that they will be handed over to local councils and be flogged and they will be killed and they will have to be uh, arrested. And it goes through all the things you were just talking about. Um, The great thing is that Jesus then it assures them that that's okay, that this is part of the plan. Hmm. And I think my mm-hmm. favorite verse about what we're talking about today comes uh, a little later, it, starting in 24, talks. he says yeah. that the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master, and it is enough for the student to be like their teacher. And I think this is a great... Um, kind of picture of what we want to be as disciples of Jesus. We want to be his students, and that requires us to do what he, the teacher, has done. Um, that mm. requires us to do the things that we saw Jesus doing. Uh, a little later in Matthew 10, so this is the real kicker, and this is what I think I can make like my lifers, all of us can. In verse 27, he says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. And I really feel that that is our calling here today, just like it was for the 12 then. What he's whispering to us, we then have the responsibility to go and proclaim from the rooftops. And all the more, by the way, if we are pretty sure that we're not going to get arrested (laughs) or we're not going to get flogged for it. So I feel like all our excuses have kind of been pushed um, to the side, other than you know the the possible berating that we might receive, um, but other than that, we basically have a pretty straightforward command right there of what he's telling us to do. We should go out and proclaim it as well.
0: Yeah, you might say that uh, if if you ask that first generation, well, what what's holding you back from from going out and proclaiming and sharing with others? They say, well, Jesus. He told us that we'd be arrested, we'd be flogged, yeah. uh, we'd be killed. And uh, man, for, for me, sadly, um, and I don't want it to be this way, but sometimes it's, well, I don't want to make this other person feel awkward or I don't want to feel awkward. Yeah. Um, so that is a, a pretty stark contrast. But that's, that's a great passage out of Matthew 10. Um, Keith, how about
1: you? Yeah, so for me, I got to give Abby a hard time because of... Uh... Abby, uh, your, uh, your takeaway was awesome, but she definitely went with more than one verse. So I'm gonna try <laughs> okay, to stick to. Okay, you know, uh,
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are you there yeah, right no, no, we're good, are we're are great Are you gonna I stick mean, to they're... just one verse? Are you gonna just do one? you know?
1: I'm gonna be disciplined today. Oh, I'm gonna oh, be disciplined. You're so good. I know, right? <laughs> so I have here Mark three fourteen, and. Uh, <clears throat> I just think it's awesome because from the get go, Jesus explained to the disciples what this life of uh, devotion to him was going to look like. And it says that he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. And that was the first thing he wanted for them to to go through life with him, to be with him. But there was a reason for it. And the verse continues and it says uh, so that he could send them out to preach. So from the get go, Jesus let the disciples know that, hey, I want you guys to be my apostles to be the sent ones and be with me to get around me to learn from me. But the goal is to actually send you out one day. And uh, I think having that known at the offset that they were going to be sent out was really good for the disciples because like Abby was sharing later on, they knew that it was going to be hard and it was going to cost something. But that was always the goal to be sent out. And later they were found out that they had the torch that jesus was going to be gone one day and it was up to them to continue this mission so uh having that at their minds at the forefront was was going to be key so yeah abby i really liked your verses uh <laughs> too so sorry I, I had to give you a hard I, time I about using you're word right
2: about. <laughs> you did it you did it you did the assignment correctly
0: <laughs> well I'm just glad uh, that I'm going after LaKeith cuz I I'm, I'm also going to do a couple of verses in fact, I almost was going to do a couple of I, I had a couple of passages but I now I'm a little sheepish. I'm not sure oh, if I'm gonna do see, that. At well, that's least right, I yes. stayed in
2: the same chapter.
0: <laughs> True, Abby. good job. No, mine was from the book of Acts and I think this one uh, appealed to me because it's it's the apostle Paul. Uh, but he was one step closer to us. You know, he wasn't one of these um, disciples who was physically following Jesus around for three years. Uh, Jesus appeared to him after he had already uh, been crucified, had buried, raised from the dead, returned to the Father. And so in a sense, um, I feel a, a camaraderie there with with Paul. He seems one step closer to, to our reality as followers of Jesus. But when he came to faith, uh, it, was, it was pretty uh, startling. He was blinded by a, a bright light and um, heard a voice from heaven, spent several days trying to figure things out, and then the Lord sent a disciple named Ananias to Paul to, um, to give him his marching orders, to give him some direction. In fact, that's um, when uh, the voice was speaking to, to Paul Uh, From heaven, the Lord, it says, this is in Acts 22. It says, The Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. So a few days pass, this guy Ananias shows up, and he's going to tell Paul, This is what has been appointed for you to do. And Ananias tells him, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one. And to hear an utterance from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And so that um, I love that that picture there—that God was going out of His way to call Paul to Himself. It says that that He had been appointed, and He He had been appointed for several reasons: first, to to know the will of God, to see the righteous one, and to hear. An utterance from his mouth. So he was supposed to, to learn from Jesus. Because, verse 15, you will be a witness for him. So it wasn't just for him, but God had a purpose in revealing things to Paul because he then wanted Paul to go out and be a witness for Jesus to all men of uh, of what he had seen and heard. So it really um, parallels the, the passage you talked about. Well, both of you guys talked about that um, disciples are those who spend time with Jesus and, and learn his ways and his message so that they can go out and broadcast it to others. so we see that even after the the first twelve that this was the pattern for disciples like Paul who came later yeah. so um well let 's just get personal what um <laughs> What did it look <laughs> like in, in for you guys in your own lives with your own personal stories? You know, when did it click for you that Jesus didn't want you just to believe in him and go to heaven, but that he wanted you to go and make disciples, that he had a purpose for you while you were here on this earth?
1: Yeah, Andrew, I can, I can segue on that one because you talked about Paul and how he came to Christ and how miraculous that was. And um, like you said, I can relate. Uh, I feel like I was, uh, you know, one verse talks about how we all like sheep have gone astray. And uh, I had gone astray from God. I was in a foreign country. I was in Japan, and uh, Jesus was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. But at the right time, He sent somebody to help me. And uh, I think as you began to understand the gospel, that we were on the we were in bad standings with God. That we all had fallen short, and that we were helpless to save ourselves. That we needed Jesus to come and help us. And uh, just being aware of my own sin and The things I had done wrong in my life and uh, realizing that Jesus could fix that. He could save me from myself and give me this whole new life. And uh, having someone explain that to me, I think it made me realize that, man, I wanted to give this to other people. I want to I want to give other people freedom through Jesus and uh, let them know that, hey, you're not too far gone. So uh, it's funny because I don't think the words the golden rule is actually found in the Bible and, uh, I think that non-believers actually reference it a lot more than believers do, if that makes sense. But, you know, doing on to others as they you would have them do to you and, uh, how Jesus wanted us to do that. I think having that in mind for me that, man, I wanted people to experience the good news, the gospel, the freedom that comes with, you know, belonging to Jesus. Um, to me, it was almost like I couldn't keep this to myself that Jesus has saved me and I had a whole new life in God and, um. Uh, I think knowing that other people were in the same, you know, situation that I was in and all they needed was the good news, like, uh, at the right time and that we could be messengers to me, it was pretty powerful. So I think, uh, just knowing that I wasn't walking with Jesus for a long time and he used someone to help me do that, knowing that there were other people like that motivated me to, to one day be a part of making disciples too, so. Really connecting with Andrew and figuring out somebody that knew how to do it <laughs> and uh, was was getting after it really motivated me. So I think that makes sense. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely does, man. Um, well, in in my case, I began to seriously read the Gospels. Um, I think I was nineteen. I might have I might have been twenty, but I was I was in school. I was uh, off at college. And a co-worker got me reading the Bible. But I had grown up in in a part of the States that's known as the Bible Belt. And uh, a lot of my childhood was spent in Kentucky. And I I grew up attending church on Sundays. I can remember that um, oftentimes our, our church would have these uh, missionaries come in and they would share for a, a weekend. And it was always pretty amazing because these were people who were, in many cases, they were they were in third world parts of uh, the, uh of the earth and hmm. uh jungles and <laughs> forests and you know i was always in awe of these people who who were choosing to live their lives that way uh but i also wasn't drawn to it <laughs> it wasn't something that uh i found appealing for me personally you know, I, I admired the sacrifices that that these folks were making. I can remember my younger brother, though, um, after one of these one of these um, missionaries had come through. I remember him uh, sharing with my parents that he was going to be like a, a missionary aviation pilot, and I mean, he was probably ten years old at the time. I might have been twelve, and um, and my parents, of course, they were pretty pumped about that because he was, you know, that was what they were, you know, they, they thought that was a good thing. And I can remember feeling so conflicted because um, I wanted my parents to be proud of me, but I just knew there was no way. <laughs> I was not gonna, I was just, uh, there was no part of me that wanted to be. I mean, really, I don't think it was my greatest fear, but I, I dreaded, I believed in God and I dreaded that God might want me to, to actually tell others about him. I, I just didn't want to do that. Um, so as I began to read the Bible, past forward uh, 19, uh, 20 years of age, and the Gospels in particular, I, I came across Jesus' words in Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, where he says, Everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And those verses really caught my attention because... Um, it was the first time that I realized that that representing Jesus before men, confessing him before men was not exceptional. It wasn't just something that super spiritual people did. Um, it was actually the expectation. It was the it was the uh, the default setting. If you were going to be one of Jesus's people, you were going to have to confess him before men. And Jesus re- representing you before the Father was directly connected to you, your willingness to represent him before men. And I needed that. I think that was the beginning of this this life that I've been living now for the past 25 years. Um, and so I think for me, that was definitely where it clicked, where, where it began to click, that Jesus uh, wasn't just... Um, inviting me, you know, he was calling me with expectation that if I was going to belong to him, I was going to have to live for him and represent him. So I think that was a, a big turning point for me.
2: Yeah. How about you, Abby? Yeah. I, both of your stories, I feel like I connect with in, you know, in different details of, and I think that probably the biggest thing is that I, I also grew up in the church and I grew up with just tons of missionary stories and mm-hmm. and also tons of biblical history. I mean, I knew all about Martin Luther and I mean I just Hudson Taylor, like you name them, I knew about them. Amy Carmichael. I mean, just shout out to all the eighteen hundreds missionaries <laughs> because I knew about all of them. And That's that awful. was really kind of who was put on the pedestal next to actual, like, literal biblical characters. And so right. um, it probably wasn't until I was older and struggling in my own faith, not necessarily in my faith, um, I'll rephrase that, but in the struggle with sin in my own life and just trying to do better and to do, follow the commands that I knew I needed to follow and yet there was a disconnect and I really needed someone to come alongside me and help me in my personal walk with Jesus and people did that and having that happen for me just opened my eyes to, I guess, different roles and not to say that those missionaries from the 1800s who, you know, saved little Indian children or completely (laughs) revolutionized the church or whatever, you know, all the things that they did, that they weren't walking beside people and just helping them along in their faith. I'm sure they did that on the side, but, um, I had just, I did not realize how important that could be in my own life and that God cared about that and He wanted me to do it too. And that I may not be somebody that anyone's going to ever remember, um, but I can be just faithful with what I've been given and faithful to just love the people around me in that same way. And it really gave me a purpose that I had never really known existed until that time in my life, that we are all called, like you were saying, to to sharing what we've been told and what we've been taught and what we've been given. And I, it really, yeah, it changed, changed everything.
0: Well, I like that because it's sort of, um, if we go a little bit further in my own story, I think... Uh, one thing that i had to realize is that you don't have to so so the call is to represent jesus before men that's that's that call is for all disciples the call isn't necessarily to cross an ocean or go to a foreign land yeah um yeah. And, and in my mind there was no <laughs> there was no intermediate like that was it so right. you were either <laughs> you either believed in jesus you said a prayer and um you're basically waiting for heaven or um, you're serving the Lord as a missionary in some foreign land. And um, you know, what I've, what I've come to realize is that no, it's um, we're all in a certain corner of the harvest and that's where Jesus wants us to live for him and represent him. And he may call you out of that, but for the vast majority of us, you're already where he wants you to be. Now he oh, just yeah. wants you to represent him and, uh, and live for him. So when we talk about go and make disciples, we're not saying leave the area where you're currently living. We're saying go out into those places just where you're currently living. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. basically walk out your front door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's actually a pretty exciting thing that's, uh, that's going on right now in the church in the U.S. is I think um, that we are rediscovering that, that that's absolutely missions. To uh, to represent him, where we are today,
1: for sure. So, like, how do you guys help uh, understand? You know, others understand this push of discipleship. Uh, like, what is your go to resource or a method that you have, Andrew, that helps? Like you said, people understand. Like, hey, this mission, the push is for all of us.
0: Yeah, well, I think just understanding that it is something that many people won't maybe instinctively get. Some people do, which is always amazing when people just have that that natural understanding that, um, freely I have received freely. I need to give, but you know, Jesus had to tell his first disciples that that apparently they didn't necessarily make that connection. So, um, we need to, to help other people understand that Jesus is calling each of us as ordinary believers to go out and represent him, to live for him, to learn how to make disciples Um, one of the favorite passages that I'll, I'll share a passage. It's the story of the loaves from Mark six in particular. I love the way Mark tells that story, the feeding of the 5,000. And so, um, I won't spend too much time on this, but there are several principles that I think come out of that particular story that Mark gives us in uh, Mark six. And so the, the first lesson that, that, um, comes out of Mark 6 with the feeding of the 5,000 is that we have to have eyes to see the need. And so um, in verse 34, it says that when Jesus saw the people, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so um, Jesus saw people and he saw people in their their true spiritual state of need. He didn't just see 5,000 bodies. He saw a multitude of people who were harassed and helpless, who were like a sheep without a shepherd. And because he saw people in their need, that enabled him, I believe, to, to feel compassion. Mm-hmm. And so um, the first thing that we need if we're going to, to move out into the harvest is we need vision. We need to ask the Lord to help us see people the way that he sees them, because that will then begin to create within us a heart for people that, reflects more of God's heart for them. So the first thing that um, I like to um, highlight for for young disciples from that passage is that they need to develop spiritual vision, eyes to see. And that's something that they can pray and ask Jesus to begin to give them. And we all struggle with this. As we go throughout yeah. our day, uh, we just get caught up in the uh, the daily routine, and we can lose that spiritual vision. And when we do that, it's really hard for us to go and make disciples. So but um, the second principle that comes out from that story is that Jesus will task us with the impossible, and so the disciples recognize that the people have been with them for uh, a while and that hmm. it's getting late in the day that people need to eat. They don't have food, so they encourage Jesus to send the people away. And of course, Jesus tells them, "You feed them. You give them something to eat," which was impossible. Like it was, um, you could say it was ridiculous for jesus to even suggest that and when you listen to the disciples response it seems like that's how they felt like hey we we can't feed these people Mm -hmm. so um but that didn't change the command jesus said you give them something to eat and i think in the same way jesus is calling us to do the impossible so if you feel like you're unqualified unprepared unable to make disciples good because that's that's the reality is that Jesus is calling you to an impossible task and that's okay. That's, that's kind of what he does. Um, so they say, they tell him we, you know, we don't have enough. And Jesus's response is, what do you have? In, in, in Mark's version, he specifically asks them that question. What do you have? Go and see. And I think there's a lesson there for us too, that we can be focused on all the reasons why we don't have enough to represent Jesus, we don't know enough. We're not gifted enough, and Jesus, I think, is redirecting our attention. What do you have? You do have something. Um, have you actually taken the time to inventory? Where could you serve? What could you bring to the table? And so that's that's the third principle: is uh, you know figure out what you do have to offer right now, and then bring that to Jesus, um, so that he can bless it and multiply it. And then the last thing that I draw from that story is that um, the disciples had to move back and forth between Jesus and the people over time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that Jesus didn't take the five loaves and two fish, you know, wave his, his hands over them. And then suddenly there were these huge piles of bread and fish. That's not the way the miracle happened. The way it happened is that Jesus would break a piece of bread Uh, break a piece of fish, give it to the disciples, and then the disciples would go out to the crowd and hand it to somebody. And then they had to come back to Jesus, Mm -hmm. and he would break another piece of bread, another piece of fish. Mm -hmm. So um, it it really sort of reflects what we're talking about, the, the pull and push of discipleship, that the miracle was happening in real time, but it required that the disciples be constantly moving back and forth between Jesus and the people. And uh, over time that it didn't just happen um, in one moment, but as they were faithful to move back and forth between Jesus and the people, suddenly the next thing you know, the, the story ends with they all ate and were satisfied. Hmm. And uh, so I think that's, that's four principles. I'll just recap those really quick. Um, so the, uh, the first one is that you have to have eyes to see the need if you're going to move into the harvest and you can pray and ask Jesus to give you those. Secondly, Jesus will ask you to do the impossible. So just make peace with that. Third, don't focus on what you don't have. What do you have? Bring that to Jesus. And then fourth, it's going to happen over time. You have to be willing to, to move back and forth between Jesus and the people that you're trying to serve and help. Mm. But it will happen if you, if you faithfully do that. So that's sort of, um, I guess, a passage that I like to go to that just sort sure. of sets the, the picture. But um, do either of you guys have maybe more practical hands-on things that you like to do to, to help people understand the push of discipleship?
2: You know, I um, I, I love that you use that passage, and I, I think that's a really great um, story and picture. And when I was thinking about this, topic, um, I was reminded of kind of a tool that I was taught maybe for something different. And so FYI, if you're the person that taught me this tool and you're hearing this and I'm about to (laughs) use it incorrectly, like just ignore it, just go with it. (laughs) But because what, um, I was taught, it's about training someone in biblical principles and it's called mall and M a W L -L 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 and misspelling spelling but yeah let's just go with it um (laughs) so yeah it is so in fact it's used as a verb sometimes like are you mauling them and so you know if someone just heard that on the street (laughs) that would not be cool wow Ah, uh, anyway. Well, break it down for us because now uh, people are probably yeah, worried. <laughs> I know. Let me quickly break it down so you don't just turn this off right away. Um, but the idea and the why it really sticks with me and why I share it with you is just it's an easy way to remember what Jesus did with his disciples and what we can then do with the people that we're trying to help. Um, so the yeah. first is model. Jesus was constantly with the 12 modeling for them the way that they should live, the way that they should teach, the way that they should love on the people. I mean, he was doing all of it, and they were right there with him. So he was all about modeling. And then the A stands for assist. So he then did send them out and ask them to do things, just like in the story that we were just talking about. He was having the disciples interact in the experience. So he was like, hey, you guys feed them, you know? So he was having them be a part of the the work that they were doing, but he was with them. He never left the place. Um But then he also did the W, which is watch, and he would see how they were interacting and he would even bring it up. He would say, oh, I just heard what you guys were talking about over there. Or he would <laughs> say like, um, so what were you guys talking about? And they would then yeah. have to admit that it was... <laughs> way off track. Um, So he was there with them just observing and taking a step back. Like he wouldn't actually interrupt it until after it was completed. And then he would speak into the situation. And then he launched them, which is the L. So he did send them out and away from him. And at the end, when he went up to heaven, he launched them in a big way, you know, really physically leaving their presence. The cool thing about Jesus is that he just did this over and over again. So it's not just like a one and done sort of situation where he like modeled, assist, watched, launched, you know, and then it was like, (laughs) bye, (laughs) you know, see you later. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the L does not stand for leave. (laughs) Um, It stands for launching because he then gave them the Holy Spirit and they were constantly cycling back through those things with Jesus. And we all can, we are all in that process with him all the time of, you know, learning from his example, seeing his model, and allowing his Holy Spirit to speak into our ministry, and um, and then having mm. him convict us of things, and, um, and then having him p- put us out into new and often impossible situations. So I think it's a great tool to use, um, not only to see our own, how the Lord is discipling us, and how others may be discipling us, but also how we can Help others in a healthy way. And that those four things are all happening. Um, I think for me, when I learned that tool, the big conviction I had was that I rarely launched people. Like I was always like holding on to them because I didn't want them to get hurt or like discouraged or disappointed. And so I would just like, I would watch and assist them forever and ever and all eternity. Um, And so it was such a great tool just to see the areas that I was not doing the best as a disciple maker.
0: Yeah, that's great. So run through those four again for us, Abby, because I think, um, those will be good for people just to think through, cause it's really kind of a framework or maybe yeah. a process where what I was sharing was more of, um, helping people understand the big picture. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you're giving people a tool that will help them actually, you know, move someone through the steps of, of, moving out into the harvest so yeah but it's still it's still a framework
2: I mean I I definitely wanted to make that clear you know this is still just a a tool or something you can think about as you know you're getting into the more nitty-gritty which would take a lot more podcasts for us to cover (laughs) so um so it stands for M which is model so doing it with them you know showing or not doing it with them but showing them um what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Uh, And that's maybe even the hardest for us because we are having to live the life of a disciple in front of others. And then the A stands for assist, which is doing it with them. And that is, you know, helping them in the process of maybe a quiet time or prayer time or whatever that might be, sharing the gospel. Um, Then watch, which is just being an observer of their life, um, being a part of their life, but maybe not... Speaking as much into it, letting them make choices on their own, and then launch, which is giving them uh, tasks and allowing them to go out and do that on their own. So uh, the M-A-W-L, mall.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I like it. That's great. Well, what do you think keeps people from responding to this, this push of discipleship? We've talked about it maybe a little bit, but... What do you what do you guys think? Why don't people leave the nest?
1: Yeah, they don't leave because they're afraid to get mauled. They think that uh, <laughs> they're gonna be mauled. And, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I think uh, I think it's hard. It really is. Like uh, like uh, I love what you and uh, Andrew are sharing, Abby. That you know, if you really study Jesus and you study his motto, his ministry, you'll see that. Uh, it wasn't glamorous, you know, like I think that a lot of people don't realize that Jesus had 12 disciples, like he helped a lot of people, he impacted a lot of people, but in the end, he had 12 disciples minus one, like one of those guys uh, betrayed him, and uh, today we would call it like back- backstabbing, literally, like uh, he walked on, out on Jesus in as dark as hour, and uh, was a reason he, you know, uh, was caught, etc. But uh, I think, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's a life of devotion to Jesus it isn't going to be easy. And it's funny that Andrew shared about the story of the feeding of the 5,000 because a couple passages later, it ends with all 5,000 of them, you know, and plus their families leaving Jesus because the teaching got harder. And uh, the people that were left were the people who were really going to, you know, change the world, which were about 11, you know, 11 to 12 men. Um, so yeah, I think some people just don't realize that this isn't the, the big thing or the glamorous thing. It's not, uh, it's not the mega thing that's going on in our day, but it's a day to day grind. And I think Jesus tells us so often, Hey, pray that God will give you your daily bread, you know, take your cross and follow me daily, deny yourself daily. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a long road. So I'm reminded of the story of the farmer. Uh, to encourage you a little bit to, to, to know that it's not all <laughs> just grind, but it's like the farmer who went out to plant and overnight, you know, he uh, doesn't know how it's growing or what's going on, but he wakes up and then there's a harvest. So I think I've seen discipleship play out that way to where uh, you're praying for someone to invest in, someone to be faithful and you're doing everything you know how from sharing verses to sharing illustrations and passages. And then finally God gives you someone uh and you you just see it you don't know that uh it's happening but uh, God you know Jesus promised to be with us always and he's going to help us so yes it's going to be hard you know but if you stay at it if you stick at it you're going to see results so i think that um as a part of what keeping keeps people from responding but i uh, also hopes that service serves as motivation for people to not stay in the sidelines on the sidelines but to get in the game to know that Jesus is going to uh Help you make disciples one day, so
2: that's really. Good, uh, I think Keith.
1: that makes sense. But Abby, you got yeah, you got anything to add, Abby?
2: Oh well, that was well said, Keith. Um, <laughs> I I think that the big thing that keeps people from responding to just this push of discipleship is just our lack. You know, the we've talked about all these things already, but just to kind of go over them again. I think that lack of vision, I mean, for all of us, when we were sharing, um, you know, kind of when we had our light bulb moment, that was because we lacked vision and it was when we were given it, when we were shown that this was a life that the Lord had for us and that this was all of our purpose. That was the vision that we were lacking. No one had told us about that. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. that that's really important to, that we are having this podcast, that that people are sharing what um, we see in scripture about vision for, um, for each and every one of us. That this is not, you know, just for the missionaries or the preachers or, you know, the the people that have titles, (laughs) Um, it's for each and every believer. So I think that lack of vision is really keeping us Mm -hmm. back. And then um, just lack of heart, a heart for the Lord um, and for the things that He cares about. Um, Mm. Going back to the verse I was talking about earlier, way back at the beginning of this podcast, um, that we're supposed to shout from the rooftops what we have had whispered to us and if you think yeah. about a whisper, you have to be close to somebody to hear a whisper, right? So sure. um, we have to be close to the Lord and the things that grieve his heart have to grieve our heart. And the things that make him happy have to make us happy. He, His vision for the world... Um, is what should be our vision. So, I I think that those are two um, of the things that really um, are getting in the way of people getting out into discipleship and being part of the movement forward.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that. I think I think that really nails it. And mm-hmm. uh, probably for all of us, we're um, <laughs> we can think about even those of us who have been on this journey for a while now. You know, those are three areas where we're probably we're probably feeling stretched and challenged.
2: Mm. So um at least one of those. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about current day life. What is the push of discipleship look hmm. like for you right now, Andrew?
0: Yeah. Um for me, um I, end of the harvest has actually been a big part of the the push of discipleship. Um I think one thing you could say about discipleship is that there's constantly going to be cost and risk, mm-hmm. and so if following Jesus isn't costing you, and if you're not stepping out and risking things for Him, then that's that's a yellow flag that that you're probably not living a life of devotion to Him the way He wants you to. And so, one of the the risks, I guess you could say, that I've personally um, felt. <laughs> over the past year or so was just taking this step of launching into the harvest with you guys. Yeah. Um, because I don't know what I'm doing. So that's one. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) I mean, no one, no one wants to fail. No one wants to look foolish. Um, and, um, and then you're not even a hundred percent sure. Well, is this even going to be helpful to people? So no one wants to waste effort. I think in, in all of those ways, um, the Lord was calling, us but certainly me to mm-hmm. to step out in faith and to try to represent him in a way that i haven't in the past but um hopefully will will help other people come to know him and will help people who are following him to be encouraged and strengthened in their faith so mm-hmm. for me personally into the harvest has been a, a pretty big part of the the push of discipleship over these past months
1: yeah i think for me i like that andrew uh Kind of what you said earlier in the podcast, talking about how you, when you realized you didn't have to be a missionary, or Al ha- Abby said, "uh, didn't have to be a preacher or a minister that was out there making disciples." And I think for me, yeah, like it's awesome working with Andrew and uh, being part of uh, into the harvest and and the way we're trying to engage in ministry in everyday life. But uh, also, I I get to work a couple days out of the week as a barber, and it's such a natural place. To connect with people about the Lord, you know, but there is a certain risk that one of my clients can decide one day that, hey, Keith is talking to me about Jesus, while, well, I'm getting my hair cut, and uh, he could let my boss know, and you know she could uh she could decide from there what to do, you know, but uh, I think uh, it's challenging for me to know that, hey yeah, that could happen, but is that gonna stop me from being faithful in opportunities that I do have and unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. We actually posted a story and a video about a guy reading the Bible. As he was getting his hair cut, it was very unique. Uh, I thought that was so cool, and he was really open to it. He was asking questions, and I have my Bible close by, so I went to the Gospels and showed him just a passage about what Jesus had to say. So, uh, yeah, and then also just launching a new ministry. We've been uh, trying to make disciples on 32nd Street uh, at the base for a while, and uh, same thing, I'm not uh, active duty member of the military, I have base access because of what I do. But, uh, yeah, you also run the risk of engaging with sailors and having your information out there, your telephone number. But uh, it's worth it, you know, because uh, Jesus is calling us to get out of our comfort zone and to engage in the mission in a natural way. So it has been, you know, going well, but you definitely could be praying for me in the shop and then on 32nd Street. That would be uh, greatly appreciated. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about you, Abby?
2: Yeah, those are really good. And, you know, I think for me, the big challenge um, in my current life is, um, you know, I we are all doing Into the Harvest together and I love it. It's, yep. it's been a huge challenge, but really great. Yep. Um, but I yeah. can easily um, compartmentalize that. You know, like, this is my into mm. the harvest time, and so it's going to be from the hours of, you know, 12 and 1. Uh, and I think for me, that's a lot easier than having this idea of discipleship really just rule my life and be in every mm. aspect of my life. Uh, that's when the challenge really hits for me. Um, being a disciple of Jesus at the grocery store, being a disciple of Jesus yeah. in a workplace like you're, you know, you're talking about Keith, where there's the mm-hmm. the possible, you know, repercussions of that. Um, being. A disciple of Jesus On the sidelines of a soccer game With other soccer parents You yeah, know if I yeah. want to be a disciple of Jesus There then that means that I cannot get Super competitive about 8 year old soccer And I know that seems like that to be <laughs> easy But it's actually not And Nope you know, <laughs> so, But those are Yeah but those are the places That I feel the real push Out into um, Into the world for me And, Mm -hmm. and I have not figured it out yet, but I do know that that's, this is the life that I've been given, you know, as a stay at home mom, um, as kind of a writer. And those are the things that I know to do, but, um, making sure that all of those things are the Lord's and that they're at his disposal and that I don't just make it about my own agenda every day. Um, that's when it kind of gets tricky, Mm -hmm. but also very exciting. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the Mark 6, you know, what do you have? Where where, where are you right now in life? (laughs) I've got
2: half a fish. (laughs) All right. So friends, we have just talked your ears off, but we want to hear from you as well. So all the things that we just talked about, all the questions that we just asked each other, we want to know what you guys have to say. You know, what is your favorite verse on the topic of discipleship and do you have a favorite resource or tool that helps you encourage people to go and make disciples we would really love to hear them so we would love it if you would head over to our facebook page under this podcast episode we will be posting it there and we just uh want to hear the great stuff that we know you guys have probably been yelling at your um your headphones or whatever, even listening to the sign like, oh, you guys missed <laughs> it. So we want to know what we missed. So let us know. Um, and we love hearing from you. So Andrew, what is up next on the podcast? What can people be looking forward to for next week?
0: Yeah. So next week, we've got a, a special treat on next week's show. I'm going to be uh, sitting down for an interview with Sean Lovejoy. He's the author of a new book called Measuring Success. And as as people of faith I think it's important that we have the right definition of success. You know, that's, that's a word that, you know, sometimes people, believers, we're not sure what to do with the idea of being successful. So, you know, what does it mean to be successful as a person of faith? We also need to have the right tools to measure success. And I would say the right methods for growing, to help us live a life that counts. So I think it's going to be a great interview and, uh, yeah, folks, definitely want to tune in for that next week. So next week's show, I'll be talking with uh, Sean Lovejoy. And then after that, I think we'll be back to uh, a discussion like this. We're yeah. going to be talking about uh, overcoming rejection. And so it uh, should be a great follow-on to what we've been talking about in these first two episodes. So looking forward to that as well. So, All right. Well, Abby and Lakeith, until next time. Next time,
2: Sounds good. Thanks
0: for listening to the show. One of the best ways you can partner with us to grow our community is to share this podcast with your friends. Whether it's word of mouth or sharing our content on social media, we need your help to spread the message. Thanks for being part of our family. Together, we're bringing discipleship into the digital age.